forgive those who sin against us. You know, the title of today's message is dealing with and forgiving those who have sinned against us. And as we hear this message, I truly believe that it's going to be a difficult message for some to do, but it's also going to be a liberating message for those to do. And so as we look at this, or as we're talking about this, I just want to ask you all, how many here have been hurt by others, especially by believers? Show of hands, many of us have, and I think it's just a a common thing that happens only because we're all sinners. And so many of us have been hurt by people in the church. Many of us have been betrayed, have been betrayed by people within the church. And many of us have had people coming against us. And so what are we to do? What are we to do with this? Are we supposed to become angry and, and bitter? Do many of us hold on to these things? Or are any of us holding on to any type of unforgiveness? See... These things that I'm talking about is really what the Lord wants to speak to us on. See, because this unforgiveness, if we allow that to, to stay within us, it's, it's going to eat us up inside. And so the Lord wants to show us, you know, what, just how to handle these things, how to handle people. And it's all for, of course, for His good and for His glory. And so let's go ahead and read beginning in verse 15. And we're going to read all the way through verse 35 to the end of the chapter. Here in Matthew 18, verse 15, it says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more. That by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, Let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning any matter, anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, How often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had. And that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, 
you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion, have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the tortures until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father will also do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespass. You know, as I read this, you know, as we go over this, right, we see a lot of letters and words in red. What does that mean? It means that Jesus spoke these, right? We only see a few here words in black, and that's because Peter asked a question. Peter asked a question which led the Lord to speak on forgiveness, to speak on offenses. And so what I'm going to do is we're going to talk first about just the sinning brother. I'm, I'm going to give you three steps that the Lord gives us on how to approach somebody that sins against you. And let's begin with the first step, and it's here for us in verse 15. It says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. You know, the first step that we have here is somebody that sins against you, right? What is the first step that we're to do when this happens? The first step is to go and tell them their fault. And as he says there, just the two of you. Okay? I want to share with you, before I get into this, right, about going and telling them their fault, going and telling them how they offended you, I want to share with you what not to do, and then I will share and expound on what we are to do. There are two things that we are not to do. Okay? Do not fight and do not flight. What do I mean by this? When I talk about do not fight, we're not supposed to go and argue with people. Understand that? We're not to go and, you know, as they've hurt us, as they sinned against us, it's not our responsibility to go and fight with them and to go argue and to go call them out to a fight. It's, you know, we're not called to do that. And the second thing that I mentioned is we're not called to flight. What do I mean by this? You know what? We're not to fly away and not handle the situation. See, God doesn't want us to just walk away from things. He wants things to be resolved, especially when there's a sinning brother. See, when we decide to not handle situations, I want you to understand one thing, is that it's going to affect both us and it also affects the church. See, what happens many times is that when we don't address situations or we don't address sin that has taken place, then within ourselves we're going to grow bitter. We're going to be upset. We're going to be angry. And this sort of creates division amongst the body. God wants there to be unity within the body. He wants there to be, what, a oneness within the body. But when we don't address or when we get upset at things, right, we sometimes hold it in. And so the natural effect becomes bitterness. And we're going to talk about this later on. The other thing that, that we also know that, that it can do is that, you know, the, the body just, you know, if there's sin that's allowed within the body, it really hinders the work of God. There's, there's a, a, a hindrance to the body and to the work that God wants to do with it when there's sin in the camp. But I do want to talk about confronting people. How many find this to be very difficult? I think there's a lot of people that find confronting people very difficult. And why is it difficult, right? Why is it difficult when, when you get upset at somebody or when somebody sins against you to, to go and speak with them? 
One is because you're probably very upset, right? And you need time to do what? To cool down. We also know that there's many people that aren't com- confrontational, right? We don't like to confront others. That's not the way we are as people. And the other reason may be because you're so mad that they become your enemy that you're looking for a way to destroy them or get back at them, right? You want them out. But see, that's not what God wants us to do. See, what we have here is, is we really have a command from Jesus. And this is what's something that many of us don't understand. Jesus is actually commanding us to go and to speak to somebody who has offended us. Look at what he said there in verse 15. He says, if your brother sins against you, he's telling you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. You are to go and tell him his fault. He's not telling you to wait. He's not telling you to think about it. He's actually commanding you to go and tell him his fault. Unfortunately, many people in the church don't want to do this. They don't want to go talk to him personally or her personally. And a lot of times they're, they're, they're bitter, they're angry, they're thinking, well, you know what, I don't want to create waves. Well, you know what? When you don't do what God is asking you to do, guess what you're doing? You're disobeying the Lord. I don't know if many of you have looked at it this way, but when you don't tell, talk to somebody about the sin that they're doing to you, you're disobeying the Lord. And that's contrary to what the Lord wants you to do. Many times what we do, right? We take the way out and what do we do? We go tell Maria or we go tell Sally or we go tell James or we go tell Mark, right? And we let them know everything that they've done to us instead of confronting them. And that's not what God is asking us to do. God is asking us to go to speak to them, you and them alone, just the two of you. And believe me, I've had many people, many of you know this, Many have come to me and they tell me, you know what, this person did this against me. You know what I say? You know what, you need to go talk to them. Right? You need to go talk to them. You need to go address them. Don't come talking to me about it. You guys resolve it. You guys talk about it. If, there's, if they did commit a sin against you, then an offense against you, then you go and you speak to them. And see, and this is something that God wants to do, wants us to do. What happens if the person doesn't want to go, right? He says, you know what, I don't want to deal with it. I'm not a, you know what, I don't like confronting people. I don't like it. I don't want to do it. I just want to, you know what, I'm not going to do this at all. Then again, you're just disobedient to the Word of God. You're sinning against the Lord because He's asking us. He's saying to go and do this. And God does these things for a reason because He knows what's best for you as well as a church. See, what happens is that you, within you, as I mentioned earlier, you begin to become angry. You find yourself bitter. You find yourself, you know what, this anger begins to turn into hate towards other people. And what are you doing? As they did evil to you, you repay them with also now what? With evil, don't you? And so now, they, that situation has caused you to sin. And this is something that we, we may not even be thinking about, but see, when we don't address those that sin against us, guess what? We begin to sin when we allow this bitterness and this anger to take the best of us because, see, we begin to have evil thoughts towards them. And I think we're all guilty of this. I'm not saying that I'm absent from this. I've done this too. Every single one of us are guilty of this, and this is what God wants to stop. He wants to change things. See, God wants us to mature as people. 
Because He knows what's best for them as well as for us. And the Lord says there, right, at the end of verse 15, that if He receives it, or if the brother says, you know what, you're absolutely right, then guess what you've done? You've gained the brother. You've gained the sister. You've won them. And believe me, this part does work because there's many people that offend you. There's many people that actually don't even know that they're doing it. They're ignorant to it. And so when you go tell them that, you know what, you've offended me, you've done this, then immediately if the Spirit of God is working, then they're going to be convicted and they're going to be, I'm sorry for offending you. I'm sorry that I did that. I wasn't even aware that I did that or that it was an offense to you. And this is what God really wants for all of us, right? He wants there to be peace and unity. And that way they can stop doing what they're doing so they're no longer ignorant in their sin. How are we to, both, how are we to go to, to these people that offend us? Because there's a way to do it, right? I mean, the Lord says, go and tell them. But the Bible also instructs us as to how we are to go to them. Remember this. Proverbs 27 verse 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. If this individual is truly your friend, if you consider them a friend, and they've offended you, then you have no issues in telling them that they offended you. But look at how we are to approach these people. It tells us here in Galatians 6.1. It says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. So when we look at this, right, we have several things that we can learn from this scripture. And I love these scriptures that give us just so much meat in them because it gives us instructions as to how we approach people. The first thing that it reminds us of is the fact that we're talking to brethren here, right? We're talking about people in the Lord. We're talking about the family of God. When they offend you, they're going to offend, and understand this, they will offend you. Because, see, we're all sinners, right? And sometimes we do it ignorantly and sometimes we don't do it ignorantly and so we just do it. But remember this is that we will sin and you will have people in the church that will offend you. And so after this, it says, brethren, how do you approach them? It says that we approach in a spirit of gentleness. What does this mean, in a spirit of gentleness? In other words, what you're going to do is you're going to have a humble spirit when you go to them. And you're going to let them know, guess what? You've offended me. And I want to talk to you about this. You know what, you've offended me and, and you know what, maybe you're not aware of it, but, but your behavior offended me. Not the individual, it's their behavior that offended you. Remember that. And so you share it to them in love, you share it to them in humility. And in the spirit of gentleness, guess what? What is the purpose of all of this? Why do you approach people for this? Or when they offend you, you approach them because you want them restored. See, the whole purpose of approaching a brother that is sinning is because you want them restored see you want them turning from their sin that's the whole purpose of it because see when somebody is sinning we know one thing is that that breaks their relationship with god remember that that is breaking their relationship with god when they are practicing sin and they don't even know it and so your responsibility again is is to bring it to their attention but with the purpose of restoration with the sole purpose of restoring. And see, and as you bring this to their attention, then if the Holy Spirit is working, then they're going to receive it, and they're going to acknowledge it, and guess what? As they acknowledge it and repent of it, 
then their relationship with the Lord has been restored. See, and not only is their relationship with the Lord restored, but also within the body. There's no schism, there's no division within you and them. And the body continues to work in peace and in unity. But one thing we know is that, does it always happen this way? It doesn't always happen this way, right? You can approach somebody in the spirit of gentleness and if they refuse to allow the Spirit of God to speak to them and they refuse to acknowledge their sin, we know one thing is that the devil has blinded them to their sin and they want to continue to walk in their sin. And so this is why Jesus gives us now the next approach because he knows how people are. People don't always want to accept responsibility. People are very prideful. People want to continue in their sin. So he wants to deal with them. And so this is what he tells us. Verse 16, it says, But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. This is the second step. The second step in dealing with a sinning brother. You take one or two more people with you. Okay? And who are these people that you're supposed to take? Understand one thing is that you want to make sure that what, who you take is somebody that's mature in the Lord. And I'm not talking about mature in age. I'm talking about mature in their walk with the Lord. And so it's important that you bring them to you. But before I go into this, I want to, let's, let's talk about offenses because many times some people may have a misconception as to what an offense is. If somebody bumps into you by accident and you say, man, that, peop- that person keeps bumping into me. I mean, that's not an offense. I mean, that's just, he stumbled and he hits you by accident. And, but yet, some people, believe me, if you do it more than once, they become offended by you. And they're always saying, that person doesn't like me. That's why he keeps wanting to trip me up or bump me, right? And that's the enemy always trying to create division within the church. See, what type of offense we're talking about here, we are talking about a moral offense. That's what we're talking about, a moral offense. Maybe you hear somebody saying lies about you. Okay, they've spoken lies about you. Or maybe so, you hear somebody that's gossiping about you. Maybe somebody said something negative about you. Think about this one. With social media, the way it is today, maybe somebody posted something about you that wasn't true. Or maybe somebody posted something that was private between you and that individual and you told them that it should it was private and you trusted in them maybe as we go as we continue to go into more serious moral offenses maybe somebody at the church hit on your spouse you know they asked your spouse to go out to go have a cup of coffee with them or to go to lunch with them or what about this if you saw someone with another married person. And you saw him holding hands and you know you saw him kiss or whatever. You know, again, this is a serious offense. Whatever the offense may be, if it is a sin, understand this is that you are to address him, whether it's a lie, whether it's 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 uh it's posting something that's not true, speaking negative, gossiping, or committing adultery. See, the Word of God wants us to address these things. There's a purpose for all of this. God just doesn't want you to keep silent on this. God wants you to approach Him again as we approach in love, right? This is the purpose that God has for all of this. And so as you go to them, right, and 
as we read, if you did it between you and them, and they, you know what, they didn't want to receive it, then you go ahead and you bring two, you bring another or a third person. And see, when you bring these other individuals, I want you to understand this. You choose these that are mature. Remember, we talked about being mature in the Lord. Why do you choose two or three that are mature in the Lord? See, because these people that you choose that are mature in the Lord, what is expected of them is as you go to tell them the offense, you let them know this is what this individual did. And so I addressed them and they didn't want to receive me. And so you tell them, you know what, I want to address them, but I need some other witnesses. It doesn't mean that they necessarily had to see it, but that they would preferably seek the Lord to ask the Lord to guide them and to direct them as to the sin of the individual. See, that's why you do it. They don't necessarily have to see it. What they want to do is they want to go seek the Lord on this so that they can now address this individual, and when they address the individual, it's not to condemn the individual, because again, we're only hearing one side, but see, that individual already addressed them, and they refused to receive it. So now we're coming with the additional witness. The additional witness is there only to, again, address them, and to find out, is this true? And if they say, well, you know what? I did it, but I'm not, I did it for this reason, or I, I made excuses for justifying their behavior, that's wrong. That's not repenting of the behavior that's not saying i'm wrong and they're continuing to do it and so what ends up happening is that see we have these individuals that have come alongside you only to address them as they continue to sin and it's all biblical and that's why we have here a reference to deuteronomy 19 verse 15 where it says one witness shall not rise against a man concerning any iniquity or any sin that he commits by the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. See, if that individual sees that there's another person with you or a third person with you, then they know, hey, you know what? These individuals are now expressing or talking about this sin or this offense that I'm doing. And we know that if there's more people involved with it, then it adds credibility to it, right? It's established with more witnesses, because if it's just one-on-one, -on -one, then it's, you know what, I'm not going to listen to him. It doesn't matter what he said. But if there's two or three, then they're coming to you to say, hey, you know what, you're doing this. Is it true? Yes, it's true. Well, you know what, you need to stop it. No, I don't want to stop it. Well, what do you mean you don't want to stop it? And so if they want to continue in that, then you know what, and, and they don't want to repent of it, then it takes us now to the third step. And the third step you tell it to the church. That's the third step in dealing with a sinning brother. And it's here in verse 17. In verse 17 it says, And if he refuses to hear them, you tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. See, after you've approached these individuals and they remain in sin or they want to continue in sin, and then guess what you do? You bring it to the church leadership. And the purpose is all the same. The purpose is to restore the individual, to bring them back into fellowship with God and with the body of Christ. See, everything that we do, we do with the spirit of gentleness. Everything that we do, we do it in love. 
And what happens here is that if the Spirit of God is working, once the church leadership is involved, your desire is that they would repent. Your desire is that they would accept responsibility and say, you know what, you're absolutely right. And believe me, most of the time when the church leadership is involved, they're like, wow, this is serious. And I, you know what, I can't be turn a, uh, 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 I can't close my eyes to this. I can't, you know what, turn away from it. You know what, they're addressing me. And so, you know what, and the Holy Spirit is working there, then they'll confess and they'll say, you know what, I was wrong. But there's those times and there's those few instances where somebody wants to continue in their sin. And so what do you do? What is the church to do? We have the instructions from the Lord. These aren't instructions from man. These are instructions actually from God. And remember one thing about God, what He wants to do is He always wants to restore fellowship. Because it's already broken between that individual. Think of it this way. How many of you have kids here? Right? You all have kids. Some of your kids are sitting next to you. How many of your kids have committed wrong in your home? They've done things that aren't right. I think most of them, right? All of us. We're all sinners, right? I've done things wrong. All of our kids have done things that they shouldn't be doing. And so what do you do when they do things that are wrong? You discipline them, don't you? You discipline them. See, when it comes to the church of God, the church of God is just like a family. See, what happens is when these individuals do not want to turn from their sin, remember, when these individuals don't want to stop sinning, then the church is required now to discipline. And how do we discipline? See, it's important that we discipline always with a spirit of gentleness, just like it told us in Galatians 6.1, to restore the individual. Look at what it says here. And I, I want, I'm going to just spend a few seconds here on discipline. Because see, there's many mother, fathers and mothers that are in here. And a lot of fathers and mothers, they don't like to discipline their kids. And I want to share this with you. That's the wrong approach. Because if you don't discipline your kids, then guess who's going to discipline them? The police and in the jails. See, when you don't discipline your kids, all you're letting them do is to continue to walk in that way of destruction, and that's exactly what happens. But when you discipline your kids, did you know that that is an act of love? Some parents always think, but you know what, I don't want to discipline them. I love my kids, and I don't want to see them hurt or in pain because of my discipline. You know what, the Bible says that you are actually displaying an act of hatred towards your kids. Look at what it says here in Proverbs 13, verse 24. It says, he who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him, the son, disciplines him promptly. Immediately, you're going to discipline. See, this is what's required of us as parents to do. And the same thing, it's with the leadership, right? The shepherds, the parents, they're within the body of Christ. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. It says, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. This is important. This is what's critical, right? And, but yet, you know what? Some people don't want this, right? They don't want to be disciplined. They don't want to be disciplined at the church. But yet, we do this for a reason. And I want to share this with you. Why the reason? Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 5.5. 5. Deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. See, what's happening here is that, you know what? As we discipline them, right? We are to prohibit them from participating in certain things within the church. 
And that could also, I mean, you know, it could mean that, you know what, they can't attend certain things at the church. They can't participate in certain things. And that is the, the only reason we do that is so that they can come to a place of repentance, of turning from their sin. See, what happens in the church many times is that the people within the church are saying, you know what, I don't want to address them, right? I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to address them. And so, and many times the church doesn't do anything either. And so what does that give that individual the, thing, the, the right to do? To continue in sin, right? Because the church isn't, isn't addressing it. Individuals aren't addressing it. So they're thinking, hey, you know what? I could do this and still call myself a believer. See, he is probably still a believer, but he's not acting like a believer. And this is why there's a discipline. To remind them so that he can what? So that he can come to a place of of, you know what, of walking away from this. That's why you deliver such a one to saint for the destruction of the flesh. But people get in the way. If there's anybody that's committing sexual immorality or any other, uh, you know, or anything else, like what we're going to read here from 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, where it says that, now, but now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother. We're talking about a brother, somebody that says, I'm a believer and yet who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. You break fellowship. Doesn't mean that you don't love them. Remember that because you will always reach out to them in love. That no matter what, you reach out to them in love because you want them restored. But the Bible is telling us that, you know what, don't be going to dinner with somebody like this. Somebody that's sexually immoral, that's having an adulterous relationship, that's having sex outside of marriage, and you know this? This is what the Bible says. This is not what I'm saying. This is what the Lord is saying. Somebody that's covetous, somebody that's an idolater, a reviler, or a drunkard, or an extortioner. Why? So that they can know the seriousness of their offense. That they're going to hell if they continue in that, in that behavior. And so the Lord is saying, you know what? Let them understand that. So that they can turn from their ways and so that they can follow after me. See, if we begin, as it says in the Bible, to treat them like a heathen, what does a heathen mean? It's an unbeliever and a tax collector. Remember this. I want you to understand this. Did not Jesus always reach out to the unbelievers? Does he not reach out to the tax collector? Matthew was a tax collector, right? It doesn't mean that we're not going to be reaching out to them and reminding them in love. You know what? Stop this behavior of yours. You know, continue to reach out to them and remind them, you know, we want you at church. But stop this behavior. This behavior is not what the Lord wants for you. You have broken fellowship with the Lord. See, everything that we do must be done in love. It must be done with the spirit of gentleness. And this is what he talks about here. This is what the Lord means when he says, you know what, let them be like a heathen and a tax collector. It doesn't mean that we don't stop reaching out to them. It means that we continue to do it in love, but they're going to be excluded from certain things. That could be from church participation. That can be from fellowship. But you continue to reach out to them in love. Everything must be done with a spirit of gentleness. Everything done with a spirit of love. Everything done graciously. And this is the way the Lord wants us to approach people. And this is why He gives us these things. And this is what's so amazing about the Lord. And then look at what it says in verse 18. It says, Assuredly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. 
Remember, as you seek the Lord's direction. See, the Lord is, when we seek the Lord's direction, and if somebody has called you to address a sinning brother, prayerfully seek the Lord. And when we prayerfully seek the Lord, we look to Him for guidance. And so once you have the guidance from the Lord, what the Lord is saying, that whatever discipline is taken, it is honored in heaven, it is honored by God. That's what he's saying there. And what else he's saying is that if they repent and the church restores them to fellowship, then this will also be honored in heaven as well as by God. That's what he means when he says, Surely I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound. Whatever discipline you were told to exercise, it will be honored in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. They will be restored. If you see now that they've repented and want to come back, then guess what? They will be restored. Verse 19 goes on to say this. It says, Again I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. As we look at this, whenever you look at this verse, understand this, it tells us that people are to seek the Lord, right? We all want the guidance of God. We all want the Lord's leading. And this is what he's saying here. He is saying here that, you know what? When two or three of you agree on earth concerning any matter that they ask, it will be done for you. It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. See, as we seek the Lord, as we seek His guidance, we are to do this in all matters. Even though the context is here regarding church discipline, I want you to understand one thing is that we are always seeking God's guidance. And when two or three are gathered there, guess what? The Lord will guide you. The Lord will direct you, right? In all matters. Here it's talking about church discipline. But again, this is where the Lord wants you to seek somebody that is what? That is mature in the Lord, that you know is actually going to pray about the situation. Because immature believers... They themselves aren't even praying. And so why do you want to go to somebody that isn't going to seek the Lord and His guidance to help you in these matters? This is why it's important to seek somebody that is mature. This is a universal direction though, as I mentioned. Always, when there's two or three gathered in His name, I am there in the midst of them. Now we're going to talk about forgiveness. Okay, we're going to talk about forgiveness. And as we look at this in verse 21, it says here, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. We're talking about brothers who have offended you. Okay? And so as Peter is talking about, as Jesus was talking here about individuals that had offended someone, Peter is now asking, okay, Lord, imagine if somebody keeps offending me. You know what you were talking about as I go to them and they keep offending me what do i do do i forgive them to seven times jewish tradition at this time was to forgive people up to three times so peter as he's saying you know what i'm gonna do it seven times appearing to be gracious because he knows the lord is gracious but how does the lord respond to peter's question here in verse 22 it says jesus responds to it he says i do not say to you up to seven times but up to 70 times 7. How many are mathematicians here? What's 70 times 7? 
490. Think of it this way, right? How many of you, if somebody offends you, 10 times do you keep record of it? Imagine that, keeping a record of somebody that offends you 50 times, 60, 70, you say, forget it, right? I mean, I'm not going to keep track. There's too many, especially now in the holidays. How many of you do always get offended by the same people on Christmas and New Year's or Thanksgiving? It always happens, right? And how many of you are keeping record of it? You got to stop. God is telling you to immediately forgive them. See, this is why he gives you that 490 because he knows you're not going to be tracking up to 490 offenses. What Jesus was saying here is, you know what? You keep forgiving them. But understand one thing. The forgiveness has to be in the heart. It has to be in the heart. See, when we look at this, right? When we think about them, I want you to know this. And I want to direct every single one of you here where the Lord wants you. Not where I want you, but where the Lord wants you. Did you know that every single one of you that have been offended by somebody, anybody that has sinned against you, you know what the Lord is asking us to do? To immediately forgive them in, their heart, in your heart. Understand this. He wants you to forgive them even though they haven't asked for forgiveness. Can you do that? Can we honestly say to ourselves, I forgive. Think of that person that has offended you so deeply, so badly. Can you forgive them? I want you to understand this. This is something that is deep and this is something that is attainable. It's not unattainable, but it all depends on you. It depends on your heart. See, Jesus knows that if you do not forgive them, then you will hold on to bitterness. You will be bitter towards another individual. See, the opposite of forgiveness is bitterness. And what is bitterness? Bitterness is a sin. You yourself are caught in sin. You yourself have fallen into sin. Look at what Ephesians 4.31 tells us. It says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Because if you don't, see, these are the results of unforgiveness, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking. You begin to start plans of getting back at these people. All of these things happen because you are harboring unforgiveness. See, if you are going to be unforgiving, then you will be bitter. And what's amazing about all of this See, remember when the Lord told us that if somebody commits an offense, that you are to immediately go and tell them the offense between you and them? You can do this when you have forgiveness in your heart. See, you don't go to them because you're bitter. See, you're holding on to these things and you're holding on to them and you're saying, there's no way I'm going to do it. And, be, and that's because you are harboring bitterness in your heart. You're offended. You're mad at them. But the person that's already forgiven them in their heart has no issues to go and tell them, I've been offended by you. Think of that. See, and this is what the Lord wants to do in us. And you may be saying, but you know what? I can't do this. That's a lie that Satan's given you. You know why? Because he wants to bring you down. He wants to destroy you. Satan wants to destroy your walk with God, your fellowship with God. He wants you to sin. 
I want to give you examples of individuals that did this without the individuals even asking for forgiveness. And one we know it to be Jesus Christ. Look at what he says here in Luke 23 verse 34. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Imagine that. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. This was even before these people asked God for forgiveness. And many of you may be saying, but that's Jesus, right? That's God. God can do that. I want you to understand one thing. So can we. Look at Stephen. In Acts 7.59, he says, And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Can you see this? Stephen did the same thing. He forgave them before they even asked for forgiveness. This is what God wants us to be. Understand people, if we learn to do this, then you will be set free from the hands of the enemy. Remember, the doors of Satan are open when you hold on to unforgiveness, when you are bitter and angry towards people. I want to give you something to think about, something to chew on. It has been said, we are more like beasts when we kill. We are most like men when we judge. We are most like God when we forgive. We are most like God when we forgive. How many of us here want to be imitators of God? Every single one of us, we're here. Why? Because we want to learn about God. We want to grow in our relationship with Him. We want to become more like Him. You are most like God when you forgive. And this is one of those hardest things to do. Because we have pride. Because we, we feel offended. Because people have harmed us. Betrayed us. But when we learn to forgive the way God forgives, we are most like Him. Isn't this amazing? As you think about it. You know, the other things may be a lot easier, but forgiveness is one of those things that's deep within our hearts that we can't do. It's hard for us to do this. And Jesus wants us to know the magnitude of all of this. And this is what's so amazing because He gives a parable. Remember what parables were? An earthly story with a what? Heavenly meaning. Praise the Lord. Rosada gets an A. She was listening when I taught. No, I know all of you knew that too. But uh, no, I'm lying there. Some of you didn't. <laughs> but as we look at this, God decides to give an example. He decides to give a story, a parable about this. And this is what it is. He says it here in verse 23, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold, with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will repay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. 
So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should repay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespass. This is a parable. This is an example. And this example was given so that we can know the magnitude of our unforgiveness and the consequences of our unforgiveness. There are some grave consequences that I'm going to reveal to you in just a second. I want to give you a summary of this. You have here a servant, a servant of the king. And the king says, you know what? I'm here to collect my debt. What this man was doing, what the servant was doing, was he stealing from the king? We don't know. Was he taking from the king? We don't know. Was, he, was money due from him because he had loaned on the money? We don't know. But one thing we know is that this king came to collect. And when this king came to collect, the servant says, I have no money to repay you. Do you want to know what 10,000 talents are? You know what this is? This is about $10 million. It's not just $1,000. It's not 100000 It's millions and millions of dollars. It's as if Trump came to us today and said, you owe me $10 million. Give it to me now. I don't have that mil- those million dollars. What do I do? This man had no other option. So what does he do? He humbles himself and says, the only thing I could reach out to is now the mercy and the compassion of the king. So what he ends up doing is he tells him, I don't have nothing to repay you. Because he heard the king saying, I'm going to take your children, I'm going to take your wife, and I'm going to take you. I'm going to sell you guys off and collect what I can. So reaching out to the compassion, to the heart of the king, what does he do? The king says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to forgive all your debts. I'm going to forgive the $10 million you owe me. And so immediately after this, he rejoices and he leaves. And then this servant, this same servant that was forgiven, guess what? He remembers that somebody owes him money. So what does he do? He goes after the guy that owes him money. And, the, and it tells us that it was only a hundred denarii. You know what this is? This is only a couple hundred dollars. He's just been forgiven of a $10 million debt and he wants to collect on a couple of hundred dollars. And so what does he do? You know what? He takes him by the neck, grabs him by the throat and tells him, give me the money. He says, I don't have money. Remember, he begs him just as this other man begged the king. And he asked for patience as this other man asked for patience from the king. But this servant responds differently. He throws him in prison. Which meant he would never be able to repay the debt. So what ends up happening is other servants see this behavior. And so they report it to the king and say, Did you know that the guy that you forgave those $10 million, there was a guy that owed him a couple of hundred and guess what he did? He threw him in prison. So what does the king do? The king tells him, He brings him and he says, why couldn't you forgive this man's debt? I forgave you over $10 million. He says, you know what? Give him over to the torturers. Give him to the torturers until he pays my debt. 
He says, My heavenly Father, do to you as you did to him. You know what the torturers are? I want you to understand one thing. If you are harboring unforgiveness, remember, it's all about forgiveness. It's not a parable, a parable about salvation. It's not about getting into heaven. This parable is about forgiveness. If you are unforgiving towards others, then you will also fall into the hands of the torturers. What do I mean by this? Have any of you wondered in your bitterness and unforgiveness, in your anger, in your hatred? Have any of you gotten sick because of this? Have you experienced any type of illness because of bitterness? These are the torturers. Understand. Not only is there a spiritual consequence because you are separated from that fellowship with God because of your sin, but there is also a physical that comes upon us. And I'm not making this up. This is here in the Bible. This is why God, He loves us so much that He reveals to us, don't walk in unforgiveness. Don't walk in bitterness. There's grave consequences to this. This is why when somebody offends you, you immediately go to them. But first, before you go to them, you immediately have forgiveness in your heart. This is why He says that, so my Heavenly Father also will do to you if, if each of you from his heart, does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Immediately, when somebody does something towards you, your heart must immediately forgive them. It must immediately forgive them. Does it mean that you're going to publicly acknowledge their forgiveness? No. But you immediately forgive them in there. This is why you go to them, so that they can acknowledge that they've sinned, so that God can work in their hearts and restore fellowship. And in return, you publicly announce your forgiveness. But it wasn't then that you had forgiveness. It was immediately when they sinned against you. Who wants to be thrown with the tortures? I don't. This is why the truth of the gospel is so key. This is why the truth of God's word is something for us to live by. God wants you to just walk in joy and peace. He wants you to walk in the newness of life. He doesn't want bitterness, unforgiveness. He doesn't want sin separating from you. And He doesn't want Satan to grab a hold of you. And so this is why we have this illustration. It's for all of us. And if we do as the Lord says, there's fruit, there's abundant fruit, and there's life. God is so gracious. God is so good. And God is so, you know what, long-suffering towards us. He patiently waits on us. Now that we've been taught the truth about forgiveness, think about those people that you have unforgiveness and bitterness towards. Got to change that. Forgive. Forgive. Let's close. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your amazing word. We thank you for just sharing with us the truth about forgiveness, about dealing with those that sin against us and forgiving those that have sinned against us. Lord, we don't want to be thrown to the tortures. Lord, we don't want to fall into the hands of the enemy. We don't want to be separated from you. But yet we know that unforgiveness can cause this. 
there's anyone here that is dealing with unforgiveness and little did you know that you were only separating yourself from the Lord. Little did you know that you were disobeying the Lord and not going and talking to those that have sinned against you. The Lord wants us to humble ourselves before Him. And as we humble ourselves before the Lord, guess what He does? He forgives us. He does a powerful work through us. That fellowship is restored and there's nothing to hinder it. If there's any sin in you or maybe the sin of unforgiveness and you know that it's, a, it's been against the Lord, you've been disobedient to Him, I'm going to ask you now to raise your hand and we're going to pray for you. Amen, amen, amen. Anyone else? Amen, amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Amen, amen. Anyone else? We don't want to fall into the hands of an angry God. Remember that. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anybody want this relationship with the Lord to be restored and to where it needs to be? It comes when we repent. Anyone here before we close? Anyone else? Anyone else? Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? For those of you that raised your hands, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, forgive me as I practice unforgiveness, as I practice sin against your word. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for receiving me even when I didn't want to forgive others. in understanding forgiveness. As I experience forgiveness from you, then it will be easier to forgive others. Thank you for showing this to me. Lord, I love you. I don't want to offend you. I want to live for you. I want to receive all that you have for me. Heavenly Father, Thank you for your grace and mercy. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Holy Spirit, thank you for the power that you've given within me. I love you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.